All right, all right, all right. We're live. Uh, it takes a few minutes for people to jump in. So while they're doing that, let's talk about um, just today. You know, thank you guys for being here, Lisa and Ty. Uh, always great to talk to you both. Thank you for having um, us. Yeah, yeah, love being here. So this is just, you know, casual conversation, just hanging out, talking uh, sales, talking business reviews. Uh, and maybe a little bit of audit, you know, you guys are audit users and some of the questions I got were about specifically about audit. So I think a lot of, a lot of folks who, who listen in are audit users to begin with. So, you know, um, I think that will naturally come up, but the idea was to really get together and talk about sales and business reviews and, and just what you guys are seeing. And, and I got some really great questions from the email I sent earlier this week to, to our list, I asked, you know, for, for volunteers to come on and guest. And of course you two graciously accepted. So welcome. And you, you know, but actually before we go into the questions, I just want to have, um, Lisa, why don't you go first and you can introduce yourself and then Ty, you'll go and introduce yourself as well. I'm Lisa Nikian I'm president and CEO of tomorrow's technology today. We are in uh, St. Henry, Ohio which is over on the west side. It's between Toledo, Indianapolis, and Dayton, out there right between, uh, right, right uh, about 10 minutes from the Indiana line. So we're um, kind of rural Ohio, but we service, basically we service across the country. We're very cyber security focused. Awesome. And Ty? Um, based in uh, Culver City, California, which is kind of like the west side of Los Angeles, um, and, uh, we're a managed service provider, been in business 13 years. Um, also heavy focus on cybersecurity. Um, yep. Been using audit for a while now and love the product and yeah, happy to share anything, uh, anybody has questions on. Cool. And just so, um, a couple of housekeeping things before we begin, if you're listening live, so we are recording this for the elevating it podcast and you can actually find that on the iTunes or Apple podcast network. Make sure to follow our show there if you haven't. Um, we are live doing this and, and we've got a bunch of pre-questions that, that folks had sent in. So I'm going to, I'm going to chat about these things. I'm going to ask my own questions and as well, you are welcome to ask questions live by commenting. Now we're broadcasting on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. I think, if memory serves me correctly, StreamYard, we broadcast off StreamYard, so I don't know that I can see comments from YouTube. So if you make a comment on YouTube, I mean, if you're watching YouTube, you may not be able to ask a question, but if you're on LinkedIn or Facebook, you should be able to actually po post your comment, your question in the comments, and uh, we can ask and we, can, we should all be able to see that, but I'll, I'll moderate that just in case. So before we get into the questions I received, I just want to ask you guys, just in general, like how's business? Maybe uh, Ty, why don't you go first? Uh, yeah, business uh, business for us has been steady. Uh, we are working on changing ways to get leads. We've been getting a lot of leads, but um, and I'll talk about that a little later about the raw. We've been getting some of the wrong kind of fit leads, um, and so we're kind of working through that. And um, and in the process right now, of hiring a marketing assistant to kind of help with the with the flow of things. So. Um, but yeah, so far, I mean, everything's up in terms of the year, like we're, we're doing good as a business in, in general. Um, and a lot of that's due to um, upselling our existing client base. 
um, not so much uh, um, new clientele, but um, but we are we are picking up things here and there. Cool. My leads have been real steady. Um, I have had a dry spell of closing them though. It, it just seems like it's it's lots of interest and um, changing things up. So we uh, we did sign a new client this morning. So um, I, I'm excited that we're. <laughs> I think I think we're on the turd, right? Um, but uh, doing a lot of upsells to the current clients. Um, we really focus in on standardization and. Um, and those QBR, we do quarterly business reviews with with the clients. So, you know, making sure that they're everything is is standardized and um, discussing all those risks with them. So, um, those of those have really, you know, is what's keeping us going. Um, and then hopefully now we're we're in the in the role of the new market. So new new uh, clients. I guess I want to say. That's awesome. Cool. Um... Well, congrats on the new client. Always excited to hear that. So awesome. Um, going to show this question here. This is from Anthony Joseph. He asked a question about where's the data stored for audit? Um, so that's a, a product specific question. So I'll kind of, I'll open this up to you guys to talk because you guys actually use it. Um, I'm the marketing person here at audit. So I'll tell you that, um, first of all, I'm not sure what data you're referring to. So whatever you put into audit, it, it, you know, we're not a data collection tool, if that's what you mean. And that probably is what you mean. I think we, I get that question all the time when I go to events is where does the data come from? Um, audit's a presentation tool. So you're taking whatever collection, whatever you're collecting, you're, you're translating that within the audit system. But I'd love to hear, you know, how you, uh, Lisa and Ty would answer that question because uh, you're actually using it every day. Yeah, I mean, I would just say wherever I want to put the data, um, <laughs> because it is, as you mentioned, like it's it's not necessarily that there's a bunch of proprietary or sensitive information in audit. Uh, usually it's uh, somewhat generic, but um, I take that, I kind of look at the audit reports that I generate and I will determine how I send that to my client, whether I'm going to send that encrypted or not based on the information that's there. So um, yeah, that's, Yes, that's kind of my two cents. Yeah, there, I don't have anything that's that's not public facing, basically, and in there, it's all whether you know. Do you have you know? Depending on what I put into that categories, you know, do they have antivirus that's that's monitored? Do they have uh, endpoint detection? Do they have you know MDR? You know those those pieces of services. So, yeah, cool. All right. Well, I'm going to go to the panel. Uh, I'm going to go to the questions that were asked of me. So again, I got a bunch of questions in email and I, I took all of the questions and they, they ended up being very similar. So, and, and funny enough here, this was probably the first question that I got. Uh, maybe eight people asked this question and, and I don't know who this is, LinkedIn user. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, how are you both attracting prospects and you know, the question that I got, I kind of said, you know, how are you generating leads and getting appointments? That was a very popular question. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Lisa. Okay. So um, <laughs> lots of different spokes. Uh, honestly, it, it's taken years to get leads coming in on a, on a regular basis. Um, you know, we, we 
keep building that list and we use a CRM and we keep nurturing that list. Um, I have a couple interns. They're constantly cleaning and re-cleaning and re-cleaning, you know, to make sure that that list is good. And, and um, we do direct mail. We do webinars. We do, um, I'm actually getting back to in-person. We're going to do a seminar. Um, so just, you know, the constant invites, the constant touches, the newsletter. Um, I send out over, I think we're almost at 2,000 that we send our printed newsletter to. So, you know, we've just been developing that list over time and it's, it's taken years to get to this list. I do a lot with chambers. We're a member of seven different chambers. So I pull, I, you know, as members of the chambers, many of them will share the li- their member list with you. I, we scrub and clean that. Um, and then we start nurturing that, you know, we get in touch with them. We talk to them. We talk to them at, at events after hours. And then we start, um, we start marketing to them. We'll throw them on the, the newsletter um, list. And then we'll invite them to opt into our weekly security tips. And then we send them a, a, a business brief. You know, I find some um, awesome uh, articles that just are, you know, business related, not necessarily even um, technology related and send that out every month. So just lots and lots of different ways. And then hopefully you get one lead from each of them, which brings you into what you need for the month, right? Let me ask you a quick follow-up before Ty, before you jump in here. And and you can you may want to answer this too, because I, I know you do similar stuff. Lisa, you're sending out a ton of newsletters, like 2,000 newsletters a month. That's, that's a printed newsletter. That's a big expense, right? So mm-hmm. Uh, what I hear a lot when, when we talk about things like that and mention things is, wow, that's expensive and, you know, that's a lot of work. Is it really worth it? You know, I hear that again and again. So I'd love to, to see what, you know, what are your results there? I, I get people that say, you know, I'll, I'll ask them, you're still getting my newsletter. Are you, you know, kind of pin into that a little bit. And I always get great feedback that, you know, it's it's great information. You know, I, you know, we value it. And I get leads off of it. I mean, there are people that'll, that will, you know, maybe they won't directly fill in. I'll have something for a form fill on there. I don't get many form fills from there, but I'll get something relating back to it. You know, I just um, talking with a client, with a prospect that I've been mailing their newsletter for eight years. They're now becoming ISO certified. And guess who the only tech company that they're going to call that they're, that they're talking to. It's us because we've been mailing to them for this long they're a little tool and die shop, and now they finally need, you know, they need the cybersecurity. Yeah, and you know, and I'm sorry, Ty, to cut you off again. Just as a marketing tip, you know, like like as a marketing professional, I've been doing this for 20 plus years marketing, and I can tell you, you know, most people concentrate on the top and the bottom. They concentrate on how do I attract some new attention, and then they go from thing to thing to thing. And the real power of it is in the middle, that nurturing phase. And you, you nailed it, you know, like it may take years to nurture somebody to actually become a client, but it works. And, and if you keep doing that stuff over time, it starts to really compound. So that middle tier, you know, we, we have to also, we have to attract new eyeballs, but we have to nurture people through. They're not just going to find us and, and go and buy that same day. You have to nurture. And that's you know? the reason you can't stop marketing. Even if you're, even if you've got operations flooded and they can't take no more, 
you can't stop marketing because as soon as you stop marketing two years down the road or a year down the road, that's when you're going to have the rep, the, the repercussion of that. So. Awesome. Ty, sorry. I, I kept delaying you there. No, it's fine. Um, very similar to what Lisa said. I mean, we basically like throw spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks and you, you know, you rotate it out and figure out what's working, what's not working with marketing, but you never stop. You just keep going. So, um, you know, as she mentioned, like, we, we do the same thing. We do direct mail. Uh, we do uh, have a speaking engagement with our local chamber of commerce coming up for a, a security uh, event, uh, cybersecurity uh, featured event going to be in uh, um, September. Um, you know, we, we, we do LinkedIn, we do Facebook, we do, um, we do a lot of stuff with SEO. Um, and, and this is kind of where I'm at because I probably spent the last year or so really optimizing seo maybe even longer than that um, and we're getting a lot of leads organically from google a lot of people calling um, but what we're finding with those leads is they tend to be a little smaller like break fix or um you know maybe not manage services where we're targeting as much so that's why right now we're transitioning into doing more speaking engagements and more in-person events that are starting to open up so um, i just joined like there's a, a referrals network around here of business to business uh, individuals. And so I'm going to join that chapter as well. And, uh, I think, I think it's all important and, uh, all good to keep doing. And, and again, measuring is probably the most important factor to figure out what's working for you and what's not. Cause once you find that thing that works, then you, you just keep pouring into that. That's cool. Awesome. Yeah. And I know I talk to you, Ty, I mean, I talk to you all the time and I know you do a ton of that, what we were talking about, you know, you're going out finding new, but you're continually hitting and following up with those people. And that's, that's a real, you know, that's my biggest takeaway from what you guys both shared is, is that where, where a lot of people, where I see a lot of people falling down is just not nurturing those leads, not continually having touch points. Yeah. And, and patience too. Like what Lisa said earlier with the direct mail thing, like I can remember after I did a, a campaign, I think it was nine months or 10 months later, I got a call from somebody who still had the mailer on their desk, you know, and then we ended up setting up a sales call. Um, so it's, you know, just having patience and, and trusting in the process and, you know, yeah. And, awesome. and, and drip. Yeah. And dripping afterwards, yeah. you know, sending them, as she said, we, we do the security tips as well. And we have a, a um, you know, a, a farm list that we farm out to. Um, cool. Awesome. Um, I'm going to bring back Anthony's, Question here, he, he originally asked the question of where does the data stored for audit? So now I see, I think he was asking more about his data, his personal stuff that he's putting into audit. So all that stuff, you know, if you're an audit user, your account is your account, it's completely separate. It's like if you had a, a DocuSign account, for example, um, you can't see what other people, you know, put in their DocuSign account. So it's completely secure, protected, um, you know, we're serving MSP, so we've got to make we've got to be held to a, a higher standard, right? We've got uh, all of the, the the technical things in place to protect your personal data. So uh, let's go to the next question that I got. Um, this was a, a interesting one, and and a few people asked this in a few different ways. Um, what are you doing to collect info in your assessments? He's this person. One person said he's. I've been getting more and more pushback on some tools I use. Um, he does a pen test, but the last few businesses that he did the pen test for or came in to do a pen test, wanted to do the pen test, they wouldn't let him. 
or they pushed back on them. Um, they're wondering if you do these things where you get into the network, um, do you have a way to calm prospects down that you can share if you do that? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll jump in. I, I don't I don't go that far. For me, I mean, everybody, you know, everybody has their own way and process of doing things. But for me, like, I don't want to install anything on a network. And I don't. I feel I don't have to with, with audit. I can literally go into an environment. I can look at three computers. I can go look at their server closet. I can walk around. I can talk to the people. And I get a really good sense of where their security is at. Um, what they have, what they don't have. I can run a dark web scan ahead of time. Um, there's a lot of things you can do that you don't need to install an agent or you don't need to be invasive with them. And you also don't open yourself up to the liability of that because you don't, at that point, you don't have a contract or an agreement with them. So, you know, I, I never wanted to do that because I don't want to be on the hook of something getting installed and we don't even have a, you know, a, a, you know, a solid relationship yet. So, um, yeah, that, that's my take on it. And I just, gather all that information and stick it in the audit. And, um, you know, and it's usually enough, even just being general like that. And, and Mike, Mike knows I used to, I used to actually just for a long time, I was just selling off the audit on a Zoom call, you know, and I would just literally ask the questions to the owner or the, the IT person who was currently there or whatever the case may be. Um, and I would just jot down the notes as we were on the call. And at the very end of the call, I'd go over the audit and present it to them all in one you know, all in one call. I don't, I don't do that as much anymore, but it's very possible with, with uh, using audit as a solution. Cool. Yeah. Lisa. I do a little bit. Um, I don't install anything. I do send a link so that we can see possibly what, um, what a hacker could see. Um, so we go from the idea that, you know, you, anybody in your company can get a, get an email, be fished, right? They click on a link. What exactly can the hacker see in your network, and how can they move in order to um, in order to ex uh, what kind of risks do you have? Um, so I do do that, um, but everything else is is manually. Um, usually, if it's a bigger client, if it's a bigger prospect, I'll have my engineer hook up with their either their IT person or whoever logs into the server kind of thing, and he'll do a screen share with them. And um, he kind of checks over some things for me, kind of gives me a, a good feel for that. And then just the discussions at the at the um, discovery um, appointment, you know, just talking through things with them and and, you know, go through the fact finder and uh, start filling in the blocks and and kind of uh, just fill it out from there. Cool. And just to uh, when, she, when Lisa mentioned the fact finder, that's a tool inside of audit that that uh, our users can print off to goes along with the way the audit's going to be laid out and it's just basically for you to kind of walk through your technical assessment and answer the questions you need answered uh, let's see the next question this is a good one I, I love this question and, and it got asked a few times it's our third most popular question um, been talking about this a little bit about business reviews because um, a lot of our users use audit as they should for business reviews. Um, this user said, and this person, not a user, said, my customers hate doing reviews with me. Half of them tell me no. The others will cancel and keep putting me off. Um, what do you do that could help me out? And, and I get this from a lot of people. You know, people say they don't do business reviews because their clients don't want to meet with them or they do business reviews and then their clients end up not wanting to do more in the future. Um, I have my own special answer, but I figure I'll let you guys go first. So uh, we don't have that problem. 
um, if you provide them value and they know that it's it's a good meeting, it's not just a chit chat session, session um, that you're bringing them something and um, bringing them great information. You know, when you bring them that, they can see the green, yellow, red and oh, why did that turn yellow this time kind of thing. So when they know that they, they're getting value, we never have any pushback. I don't have any issues with that. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, we did for a while have problems with that. And the way we solved it is with automation. So we set up with our CRM, we set up a, an automation to be able to basically send these things out on a recurring basis. And if the client doesn't schedule after being nagged for several times, then it just goes back in the queue. And then the next quarter that comes up or whatever schedule they're on, because we do, we do quarterly, we do uh, biannually, and we do annually, depending on the size of the client. So that, that has eliminated the need of all the, um, you know, um, but but I'd also kind of put, throw that back at you if, if clients, yeah, again, if the clients hate doing the reviews or they don't see the value in what you're doing, you might want to relook at how you're presenting during that process. Because if you're being too salesy and you're not highlighting um, the higher, like the VCIO kind of um, mentality where you're talking about business risk and you're talking about, um, you know, the the protections that should be in place and the the revenue or loss of revenue that could happen without these things there or you you name it like maybe you're focused a little too focused on the technical or or, or some of the other aspects that make the you know client not feel as like uh you know this is uh this has value to them yeah and, oh lisa you're gonna say i was just gonna say yeah you have to don't make it technical don't bring them a stack of reports in my opinion you know they're business owners. They don't. They're hired you to take care of that. Stay high level. Give them strategy. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this a little bit myself, and and invite you guys to comment on this to make sure that I'm on. You know, you can push back on this if if you think, if you see something different. But a lot of folks who come to us, and we we always coach people to use audit for business reviews. They come to us because it's a sales presentation system, and a couple of the issues I get is, is well, my clients don't want to do business reviews or um, they think I'm always coming in to sell them. You know, they're coming in with technical reports, but their clients feel like it's a sales presentation. And then they, they say, well, audit's a sales presentation tool. Why would I use audit? They're going to think even more I'm trying to sell them. But the feedback that I get, and I'd love to hear your feedback, that from audit user again and again and again is now that I'm using audit, it doesn't feel like it's a sales presentation, even though it's a sales presentation tool. That's an interesting dynamic. And I don't know if you can, you agree with that you, or can speak to that. Lisa, you're nodding, so I'll, I'll uh, oh, there you go. <laughs> whichever one of you guys wants to go first. I, I would just, I 100% agree with what you said. It, it doesn't feel sales, especially if the client sees the value, you have a, you have a client who you know, um, I mean, sometimes you have to take a hard look at it and you have to say no to some clients. You have to say this is not the right fit because they, you know, no matter how many ways I spin it, they're not going to see the value in what we're doing and what we're offering here. Uh, but um, I think I totally agree with you and agree with Lisa, like keep it non-salesy, non-technical, um, very high level focused. And, you know, they should see the value in any, any, any small business should be able to see the value in that. And if they don't, then maybe they're not the right fit. And come in with your heart. You know, if you come in there with your true, real reason of, you know, you can't go in there to sell. You have to go in there and, and educate them on protection, 
why there's the risk, you know, what you're saving your tax, you know, when, when, it, when there's problems that are constantly happening, they're nagging you and they're nagging us. Right. So, you know, getting that cleaned up makes everybody happy. So go in with your heart, you know, really, really do the presentation from what you feel. Um, and, and you can't fake it. They see that. So you've got to truly believe in what you have. Love it. Um, Anthony's like asking all these questions. I appreciate that. I always love, I love when people come on live to ask questions. You know, that's like, I, we got, when I sent out the email, I got a ton of questions back, which is great. I appreciate that, but always very much appreciate people kind of jumping in and being part of the conversation. So Anthony, you're awesome. Um, and I'll let you guys answer this question here. I'll just read it. So the folks listening later on the podcast can, can hear it. Anthony's asking uh, to, to Ty and Lisa, from your experience, do you use audit more for existing customers or have you had success with prospects as well? We use it for both uh, and, and very much evenly. Um, I have a VCIO. She does all of the, uh, the meetings with the clients and that's the tool she used. She loves it. She's, she's not technical at all. So it works perfect. So she works with a technical alignment manager. He gives her the, the issues. She knows how to go in and check things. So she, so it really frames up her presentation and really helps keep her on track. And then I use it for all the, the prospecting calls. Awesome. And I'll just ask you, Lisa, real quick. Sorry to keep cutting you off, Ty. I'm sorry about that, buddy. Um, obviously, you're, you're, I'd love to hear more about like the results that you're getting from that. Are you are you seeing what you want to see out of using audit for those? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. And it's it's we're now into we're now just looping back around our our full year of really focused in on this. And so she'll come to me and she's like, everything's really green already, you know, and. And I'm like, this is awesome because all of our things are working. They're coming together. So, you know, it's, it's exciting to see, to see the, the fruitions of all your hard work. Love it. Yeah. So um, we, we landed our largest client to date using audit and using audit um, over zoom without ever going on site, um, just showing them the value of what we can bring to the table. Um, so, Yes, for, for definitely for new prospective clients. Um, but on the other flip side, I mean, we if I added up how much monthly recurring revenue we've increased with our existing client base, I'd imagine right now it's going to be in the thousands of dollars because, I, I mean, I, I don't know what the number is off the top of my head, but I just know on a regular basis, I, I do these reviews and we get done. And at the end, I always ask for additional business or additional services and what they want to do how they want to proceed. And most of the time the client says, yes, let's proceed with that solution you talked about. So if I add up all these different things over the last year or two, I'm sure it equates to a couple thousand dollars a month, which is very meaningful. And, and I'll put a plug in, you know, a little, little um, audit plug for the, just by doing that, Ty, you know, if you're saying you've generated thousands of dollars in revenue per month, you you're more than paying for your subscription of audit. That's what I tell people all the time. We call it ridiculous ROI with, with audit. It's like you're paying this small monthly fee and you go out and do a few business reviews, land a client, and you've literally paid for your, your subscription. 
And I think that the new whiteboard, white, is that what it's called? Uh, the sales white space. White space, white space. I think that's really going to help us um, help us be able to see, put numbers around that and uh, know, you know, being able to track it better. You know, we tried to do it by a spreadsheet, but, you know, with the, the changes of, of users and that kind of thing, it's 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 tougher to do where I like I'm, I love the idea that we're going to see it right there. Awesome. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you're digging into that. That's a brand new feature as we're recording this podcast. We just released it this last month, and we did a webinar training on it. We're going to actually do a webinar training next week, so or, or two weeks. So keep your eyes on your email for for that coming up. Um, it, it's a really cool. You know, Frank, our founder, has been using it in his MSP for years, and, and he's you know it's all done through a spreadsheet, but it equates to a ton more revenue than than he would have made without it so it's a way to kind of visualize where your where your opportunities are and keep things organized and it's just uh it's exciting for me because we've been you know we've got all these new features kind of coming and they're they're starting to hit and it's uh, really exciting to watch this system that i've been with since day one almost uh to to start to really grow and and mature and take off and, and the feedback we're getting is great so appreciate it um, question here. Let's see. We've got two more questions. So, uh, just started using audit for sales. Have my first presentation next week. Can you give me some steps or your steps for putting the audit together? Do you just do a base or do you also do a proposed plan? Um, do you also do a separate proposal for audit or, or, or with the audit or without the audit? <laughs> so we have a, uh, We've changed this over time, but we, we're now in the pro now the way we do it is is we do the the comparison audit. So we do the um, you know we do the baseline um, assessment, and then we take that and we do uh, we do our proposed plan on top of that, and then we show the the gap or the difference between you know what they're currently paying, uh, you know, versus what they would be paying with us and we use the what the financials that are built into audit to kind of show that their existing IT firm is either they're either paying too much for them or they're 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 paying too little and they're not getting enough or maybe you know in some rare cases maybe they're they're doing a good job for them and uh, they're actually you know uh, they're actually about the same price or what whatnot and that does happen too um, but I, I think that's a very powerful tool and I think the gap selling approach is a, is a really good way to do that and to show them the value of your services. Yeah, very much. I I use the baseline and then I have I usually have plan A and plan B and each of those are, you know, then the proposals on top of that. I use the I use the financials in there. I do not give them a detailed quote at that time. I Frank gave us this advice, you know, a long time ago and that's been great advice. It's just, you know, it's going to be X dollars and that includes, you know, your services, you know, what does it include? How many users? And we can hone in on all the details, you know, let's, let's, here's my setup fee, let's get started kind of thing. And yeah, then we do. I, I, I present that and then along with the letter of intent, you know, these are, here's plan A, here's plan B, um, which one do you want? You know, initial it and let's get started. Sorry, I didn't mean to speak over you. We we do the exact same thing as Lisa, where, where you know you put the dollar amount at the end, but it's all the all inclusive. It's not. There's no breakdown of it, and and you know that's uh, then then it's a lot harder for somebody to just shop you around. Cool. 
Um, last question that was emailed is how deep do you go? And I know we, I think you guys covered this a little bit, but, but just to be fair to this person here, a couple people actually asked it this in a different way. Um, how deep do you go with technical info in the business review? I serve a lot of attorneys and medical practices. They all get a little antsy when I go over things like tickets and warranties. I use audit and sales thinking of having my VCI, VCIO use in business reviews. We, we don't dig technical. That's not, they want us to take care of top. They want us to take care of the technology. Um, so we don't go technical at all with that. I, yeah. Same thing. I mean, the most, I'm trying to think of what's the most technical we get, but I mean, it's probably like, you know, aging workstations and that's not even really technical, um, you know, stale backups, um, you know, things that are definitely critical or affect the, you know, the, would, would, would greatly affect the business, but um, none of that's really super technical. Yeah. It's all very high level. Yeah. And, you know, I'll add to that, 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 you know, as the, as, person who works for audit and sells audit, your clients don't want the technical stuff. Nobody wants technical details. I don't care what you're selling. It just so happens that MSPs are in the super technical field. So the technical info is even more technical. But this this is something in every business. And, and I think as, as humans, we're wired to want to kind of share our knowledge with other people. It's just a human trait. But they just want to know, the person on the other side of the desk wants to know, do you understand my problem? Do you understand how it's affecting my business and can you can you impact my business you know can you fix this problem and that will impact my business and help me grow and that's all they want to know that's why audit exists so you know use it in business business reviews definitely big time uh let's see and we'll just take a last question here before we wrap up anthony our star contributor today uh, on the comments. Thank you again, Anthony. Aliyup question. You only present audit assessments to the decision makers, correct? Um, I, ideally, yes. You want to do it, you know, you want to get the buy-in uh, um, of the person who has the decision <laughs> as opposed to someone else. Um, I mean, there have been situations where we just couldn't get with that person. And uh, depending on the opportunity, it still may be worth it for you to present that to somebody who's who's lower on the totem pole. Um, if you think that they have the ability to convey that information correctly, and um, you know, and there's still a potential to do business, but but um, you know, I would say 80, 90 percent of the time, it's with the with the uh, decision maker. Yeah, I that's part of my um, my my questions whenever we set up the that um, report of findings, um, you know, if, you know, who else helps in making this decision? And if they're not available, then, you know, I don't know any CEO that isn't going to want to know something about technology. You know, I really need them there. And if they push back, that's where I, I, I decide, you know, does it really make sense? Or, you know, do I just want to, is it worth my time to throw the, to lob this ball across the net, right? Because the chances of it, of it being a hit is, is probably only about 20% because they can't sell my services like I can. They're not passionate about my services. Um, so it just depends on, you know, it, is it worth my time? How far do I have to drive? You know, 
what what's the chances that that 20 percent is really going to work right cool you know and 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 i i think that this this was great advice great stuff um I'm going to add a story that, that Frank shares, you know, Frank would share if he was here because it's happened to him a couple of times where he's, he's had somebody, he's serving now bigger clients than he did. And I think everybody does that, right? You start out as a, as a business and you're, and you're, you're maybe charging a couple hundred bucks a month. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're charging a couple thousand a month. And then he, you know, I've seen Frank go from that $2,000 mark to where he's charging, you know, 20,000 or more per month MRR. Those are bigger companies. So sometimes there's a bunch of decision makers in the room and there's a bunch of people who, who still need to go present that to the top. The top's never going to come down and, and be there no matter what. And he's had several situations where he's just presented it and then he finds out that they were able to present that to the CEO or to whoever was signing off on that because of audit, because of how he was presenting it, because it's so simple and the instructions are in there on how to read the report that the person who was in the room with you, who was, wasn't the decision maker can go and present it effectively to the decision maker. And he's, he's done that. He's had that happen to him a couple of times where he's closed the deal because of that. So, um, good stuff, everybody. Um, this was awesome. Thank you, Lisa and Ty for coming. Uh, any, any last words before we uh, wrap up for today? Stop being technical. Great words of wisdom. Yeah. Get rid of the head trash. It's not, yeah. it, if you can present, you know, stay out of the, stay out of the weeds and present them education, you know, help them understand their risk. And that's exactly what this is all about. Love Great it. tool. Well, thank you. Thank you both. Can't thank you enough for being here and sharing um, what you're doing in your MSP. I think this is incredibly valuable. Uh, you know, I can preach at people all day long about audit and about sales in general, but when they hear it from their, you know, folks who are actual MSPs, I think that there's really a huge amount of value to that. So I thank you guys for taking time out of your busy day to, to come and share with me. And thanks everybody for listening and watching live. And until we meet again, keep on elevating IT. Thanks. Appreciate Mike. the opportunity. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. See ya.